Hello everyone, welcome back. Um, after a, I think a week long hiatus, uh, we're back with another episode of Taking Party. Uh, and uh, today we are joined by Ryan Katai, who is the Chief Executive Officer of uh, Farmart. So Farmart recently won, or was, was backed, I shouldn't say one, was backed by the Health Price Foundation. Uh, hi Ryan, how are you? Hi Valentine, how are you doing? Great I'm meeting right. you today. Yeah, nice to meet you too. How are things in Zimbabwe? Um, it's, you know, the climate is a bit tough for you know, a number of people. And I think it's, it's, it's like that across the world. But then um, I think as a nation, as usual, we manage and we're trying our best to just, you know, stay on our feet and also as a company. That's good to hear. So I wanted to start with, with Farmer, but I thought it'd be interesting to start with, with, um, with you, like personally from, from, a, from, a, from a founder standpoint. Um, so, if I'm uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you are the you are a, a chemical engineering student at uh, at NAS, correct? Yes, I'm currently finishing up my final year. Um, it's my fifth year. Right. I'm doing chemical engineering with um, NAS. It's been a journey, uh, really. But then, um, you know, I finally decided to just finish it. Um, you know, with the pressures that are coming up with. Um, you know, managing and running a company and also being in school. Um, but then, yeah, I'm so happy that I'm finally finishing it. That's good to hear. I'm curious as to how a chemical engineering student becomes an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's really a joke amongst my friends, you know, like um, what, what you're doing and um, what you're actually like training to do <clears throat> are two like separate things. <laughs> Um, but then I think, I think the purpose of education is not just to, you know, to, to, to apply like the concepts that we learn in class, but then also it's, it's a mind opener. Like I had noted when I studied the program, but I didn't know anything about it. But then, you know, getting deeper and deeper into it, I saw that, you know, I was getting aware of a number of variables in my own life and also in other people's lives that I felt like, I had to change that, I have to do that. And trying to look at you know, chemical engineering, really, um, you'd find that most, most top managers in the world actually are chemical engineers. And you know, it's, it's not specifically that you know, you know, a chemical engineer, you have to work in an industry and so forth. So you know, it's also a better mind that um, I, I had for the past few months to say, um, you know, now that we're building this company and we really need a lot, a lot of much focus into it, um, should I? stop school should i quit school should i probably stop for a few years then continue um but then you know the realization of where i am now um just struck me like i couldn't be here if i hadn't taken up this program if i wasn't in school right now um so finishing it would just be um you know an added advantage to how obviously i'm going to be able to you know take this company from where it is right now to probably the next level um etc so but then, yeah, you know, whenever I tell someone that, you know, I'm actually a student, um, they're like, wow, um, how is, how is, you know, probably your MBA or how is, how, how is business management doing for you? And I'm like, no, I'm actually doing uh, chemical engineering. Um, so it's a bit, it's a bit funny, but yeah. Right. So I'm curious as to how you split your time, though, uh, because I'm sure uh, any of the pure science subjects or, or anything in the, in the scientific field, um, requires a lot of, of commitment when it comes to, you know, investing your time and effort in studies. So are you splitting your time between 
your studies and format. So it was a bit hard at first when, you know, when um, format was just an idea. Um, you know, when, when I was actually in school, the point was, um, uh, let, let me just try and finish up, right? Then probably after the five years, you know, we just go haywire on format. But then we saw that, um, you know, there was an opportunity already um, that was opening itself up and also with a solution that was fitting directly into that opportunity. So waiting was not going to be, you know, optimum. But then at the same time, um, it was all a matter of saying, um, you know, you can't be a jack of all trades because um, one suffers or actually both suffer um, at the same time. So one thing that I just told myself is that, you know, there's 24 hours in a day, uh, most of which you spend sleeping. Um, so I can hit three hours a day. I can hit four hours a day. Um, let me try that. So that's, that's how I just started, you know, rolling my day, my days. Um, it was tough at first, but then right now um, I know how to prioritize my time. I know where to put much effort and where to cover up whenever there's need to cover up um, just for that I'll be able to finish this. But then um, it's been tough, um, especially right now, you know, I'm actually going through examinations and we just got, you know, an investment into the company. Uh, there's so many meetings that are being scheduled up, you know, by either the investors or other customers we actually have like a lot of uh, partnerships that are propping up and, you know, I would need to, you know, take 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 lead on those but then also at the same time i'm also going through exams so it's been it's been a bit challenging but then um uh it's it's that pride that comes in me whenever i'm able to like handle that interesting so um on obviously investor meetings you'd have to be uh in the meeting because uh you you represent overall strategy for the company i was curious do you have like any, any help in the organization i'm sure you do have a lot of uh support but uh is it like in the, in the event that you have a meeting that coincides with the exam um do you have someone who can you know take lead for you and will the investors understand um, that you're you're actually a student trying to achieve a number of things at the same time yes definitely um so the most fortunate part was we managed to structure our company um earlier on and you know it it took a while for like people and even myself to fit in the roles but then um by now everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing when someone is not there we actually have someone who can take over so in in farm heart we have this general rule that um at least three people should know what one person is doing or is supposed to be doing that day just in case um someone probably wakes up sick or is not available to take up that responsibility someone can jump the gun and actually you know continue that we've seen that in conversations with farmers right someone leaves a conversation in between and a farmer you know sends a message or calls the next day um you'd find that you know in the first days you'd find um, people wondering like who is this person who is this customer um where was the conversation left and you'd find people actually starting from you know afresh and that would you know that that didn't settle with the customer that you're dealing with so that's when you started putting that through that you know whatever you're doing make sure that you inform at least three people so we've been using a, a lot of um you know virtual platforms like um meetup um slack at etc to try and um you know keep up with what everyone is doing in the company so that whenever they're unavailable someone is already you know there to pick that up but then given the sensitivity of what i do now um i actually have my my ceo paul um he's the one person who knows like um what i'm doing how i'm doing it like he's up to date with my day-to-day -day, even the calendar itself so that makes it easier for me even if i can't take a meeting then he can obviously jump in and do that okay so i'm curious because it, it seems the entrepreneurial 
field itself is nothing is nothing new to you because if i'm not mistaken um was it back in 2015 or 2014 you uh, were co-founder of a startup called the puppy listings so this is this seems like it's it's if i'm correct this seems like it's a it's a it's a whole it's been a thing for you for a while now because i'm sure at that time you were you were a student or just becoming a student um yeah so i've, I've always been the curious mind um and I've, I've been inspired by um you know how i know how i'll probably um i'll probably cliche this is but then you know i've always been inspired by silicon valley if they could create such a community um there it's not about the location really it's about the mentality that the people that side actually have and grow up to uh you know to feel and actually to marvel um so i started i started you know researching about startups looking up you know like how do you even how do you even start up what was the first touch point what's the second touch point but then um you know contextualizing it in our own environment you'd find that most of those things are actually like different you can even start from the end where you start in silicon valley etc so i think it was more of research for me and being an engineer um you know it was it, it came in you know naturally for me to just you know Look at look at what's missing. Look at what's needed, and put it together. So when we when when I call, I actually joined and the puppy. Um, the founder was a friend of mine, and I feel like I would put so much value. Um, but then it was an idea that was way ahead of its time because um back then, um you know platforms were not that popular. Um, and you know people people were used to the you know day to day you know you move you go and inquire and so forth. But then um, I think there was a major shift in from 20, around 2017 and you know, COVID-19 obviously exacerbated all that. Um, so it's been quite a right, um, you know, learning new things every day. And I think the things I've learned the past year um, have been more than the things I've learned you know, my entire life about entrepreneurship, about connecting, about networking, even about meeting new people. So it's it's I would say the entrepreneurship journey it's 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 a day to day lesson um, you know that you go through every day um, but then it's that curiosity that always drives me to to just want to learn more and you know provide more value to what I do. Okay, so I'm now curious about the, the transition um, and I forgive my curiosity. Uh, I think that's probably <laughs> one thing we share in common <laughs> um, is the transition from the puppy listings to uh, to format. So I was uh, looking up uh, or looking you up for this, and uh, and I found uh, an interview in Volker magazine from like 2020, uh, where you said uh, agriculture is the backbone of who you are. Coming from a semi-conservative family, your grandmother was uh, your, your inspiration. Um, what was that the, the roots to farming? So how did you make that transition to then saying, uh, I guess if I'm reading this correct, if if agriculture has been a part of your life, um, was it something that you had? you know, thought wouldn't be viable, or did you identify something um, that then led you to, to transitioning to uh, the creation format? Yeah, so, um, you know, never in my life did I ever think that um, I would do something about farming. <laughs> um, it's really something that I always, um, you know, I always think back to. Um, you know, I grew up in a very, in a very loving family, but then it was also a difficult family. Um, I'd lost my mom, you know, at a very, very early stage. Um, and I, I know the closest person to a woman that I had in my life was my grandmother and also my dad. Uh, so at the time I was living with a stepmom. Um, so, you know, you know how families go. It was always, whenever I come from boarding school, I would go, you know, Kumusha with my grandmother and would spend the whole month there. 
um, you know, it's, it's something that I, I never liked. <laughs> um, having to come from school and go Kumusha every holiday. Um, I hated it, um, you know, with a passion. Um, I didn't like it at all. But then <laughs> what I then realized was, you know, like my, my fees was actually coming from that. You know, there was a time when uh, my dad was going through a rough patch at work. So, you know, my grandmother typically supported me through all that. Um, I lost her and um, it was hard on me. Um, that's when I, you know, I got to get so close to my dad, um, whom I also lost in 2016 <clears throat> when I was about to start university. Um, so, you know, it, it was it was a difficult year um, because there was, you know, I didn't even apply to university and, you know, I had good grades. Um, Zim was just difficult. Um, I wanted, to, I wanted to do something, I wanted to go to school. Um, so I managed to, you know, get a scholarship, fortunately, um, that took me into school. But then still, uh, the expectations that I'd set for my life and where I was at that moment now was very, very difficult. So that's when, uh, fast forward two years later, um, you know, I just, it was just, I was actually in town with a friend when I saw this lady, you know, she just resembled my grandmother on spot. She was selling tomatoes in a big truck and, you know, she was just seated there and she looked so, you know, somber and, you know, she wasn't selling. Um, so that's when he just jumped on the truck, started shouting, you know, selling tomatoes and it was in Lawai. Um, you know, it was, it was, it, we're getting used to the place and we actually, you know, sold off the whole truck. So, you know, looking at that, I just felt, you know, I just, I just, I was just hit by that, you know, I grew up in this, I know this, I, you know, I literally know, you know, the varieties of tomatoes, I literally know how to plow a hectare, etc. So, like, if I, if ever I'm looking to start up something, it has to be from something that I deeply, you know, relate to, something that I know, um, you know, I would go to extents where I would remember my grandmother saying, you know, then I know that it's going to rain. Um, you know, I grew up in such an environment where, you know, I was very up and you know up, up to date with the trends that are happening in Kumusha more than whatever is happening in the city. Um, so that's when I just started, decided to say, uh, let let's, let me venture into this and see where it takes me. Um, I wasn't expecting much, um, but then what it is grown up to has, has been actually a total surprise. It's something that started as, you know, that that's retro. Um, just say, let me let me just see um, if I can get closer to myself through this. Probably it's what's in my root, and yeah, I think that that was the eureka point for me. Yeah, nice. So we now get to format. Um, so the one thing that well, coming from a, from a from a from a family with with um, uh, with farming roots as well um, is that there are a number of problems that that. Uh, you know, smallholder farmings have uh, because smallholder farming is pretty much what most, if not all the country, or not, not all of course, but what most of the country depends on because as much as we've urbanized, there are lots of rural areas in, in Zimbabwe who rely on subsistence farming. So in 2012, the United Nations Food uh, and Agricultural Organization said uh, over 70% of Zimbabweans rely on subsistence farming. So it's either to sell or to as, 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 as consumption. How did you figure this, or was this something that you thought about when you went into uh, pharma, judging from the story that you saw of the old lady and the tomatoes? Yeah, so, um, you know, that, that statistic is, is actually accurate. And I, I think I would actually say, um, you know, there are more who depend on that because, you know, you could actually try to uh, extrapolate it to family members, right? Um, I was dependent on my grandmother having to be productive, waking up every day at 5 a.m. for me to remain in school for a time. 
Um, so when it comes to you know the the, the the reliance on agriculture, it's not just the farmers themselves that are actively involved in the process, but also um, those who depend upon them um, being in that process. So I think it's it actually extends to more uh, people who are like who are relying mostly on agriculture here in Zimbabwe. And it's really um, a statistic that staggers for me because um, we all depend on food um, and we're actually importing food, but then we have actually a lot of land right now that's underutilized or that's unutilized at all in Zimbabwe. Um, so given that perspective, so when we started off, um, we're not actually doing what we're doing now. When you started off, we're actually thinking from the funding point of view, right? right. So we started here at NAST, we're like students. Um, we've identified, we identified an, uh, around five women in Mlawayo, whom we said, no, we need to fund their projects, right? And, um, you know, try and increase their productivity a bit. So we did a crowdfund. Um, we managed to raise money enough for three women. Um, we did amazing projects. One failed, um, it was a water issue. Then the other two were very, very successful. Um, so after testing this model, we tried to take it at scale. Um, but then, you know, we were met with a number of uh, regulatory issues um, with, with the DPA, et cetera. So that's when we, you know, we went back to the drawing board, say, um, you know, this is going to take a time because we actually like supposed to go through the application process, which knowing you know the bureaucracy in Zimbabwe will take us ages. Um, so we just decided to say, you know, let's pivot to the market segment. Then when we garner enough money, we'll come back and you know self-fund these farmers as farmers, um, not even crowdfunding from people. So that's that's how we put on the transition. But then the major goal was to try and help um, smallholder farmers become productive. But then after we also saw statistics um, arising saying that you know farmers actually lose more money or actually lose more um, post harvest other than you know actually trying to come up with the actual inputs themselves and post harvest being they don't have storage um, and also they can't access markets that are, that can actually pay for their produce so that's when we actually came up with the new pivot which is what we are on right now okay so you, you said um the regulatory issues um uh, would provide the funding can you go into a little bit of details as to what those were um so if you're taking if you're taking money from people uh -huh. and reinvesting it right uh -huh. reinvesting, i mean you know putting it to other you know avenues of of of, of you know trying to increase it um you have, you'd have to be registered with the deposit protection corporation uh -huh. because you're taking people funds right you in, in short you're acting like a microfinance or a bank uh -huh. so you can go and regulate it if you're taking money from people if it's friends it's fine because it's as per agreement but then if it's people that you don't know and you're using a corporate company to do that then um it actually falls under you know that dpc regulation uh -huh. so by then we established a company yet and we just you know that three of us and so you know navigating all around it we thought was going to take us more time and you know the time that would have lost would be very much difficult to um in terms of um trying to make a footprint in um majority of the smallholder farmers in Zimbabwe. Interesting. So uh the, the microfinancing and, and the regulation by the RBZ is is quite comprehensive. At that time did you ever think of, of uh crowdsourcing? Uh, doing crowdsourcing projects. I know crowdsourcing at the time was not something that was very widespread in Zimbabwe, but um, was that an avenue you were thinking of, of, of exploring? Uh, because there are a lot of people, especially diasporans, who want to make some sort of impact in their community. So uh, was that something that you guys even, uh, you guys like thought about uh, approaching? Um, 
Yeah, um, so why we didn't bother truth? Um, you know, um, it, it was at a time when I think, I think you're aware um, when, you know, there were a lot of scams that are coming up, uh. right? I think it's the same time when there was, um, it's M, it's I think triple M, right? Um, that, 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 you know, that Ponzi scheme. Um, and also, um, it was also a time when, you know, most diasporans were being scammed by people from here. Um, you know, they were investing probably in property and so forth, and they're losing their money. So it's, it's just something that we didn't want to put a dent on what we're trying to build. Um, because, you know, the moment someone just, you know, say something in that direction, you know, cast a doubt on that, um, it would be, you know, our bidden to try and prove that it's not. And once we get into that argument back and forth, you know, it changes the conversation totally. So we didn't want to be stuck in that. So that's why we chose, you know, let's just make a pivot. When you're when well established and we can be able to fund these people directly and meet all the regulatory um, requirements, then we can obviously venture into this. But then it's something that we really look at because I, I also have relatives, you know, outside. But then also I think from my end, the major you know, issue here was on the traction that we had. We hadn't had enough traction yet to actually like pitch up and, you know, explore this. We don't want to fail with someone's money um, in our hands. So it was made of trying to, you know, prove the concept and you'd want really someone who would um, come in as an angel for that. But then with most people, it's um, an expectation of greater returns that comes to mind when you pitch them something like that. I see, yeah, it's always been difficult for Zimbabwean startups to, to, to... Um, to get funding locally. Um, I'm sure you've gone through the process because as you said, like returns are what people look at, not the actual investment in the idea, which is probably the most important thing, uh, which is the differentiating factor between, uh, again, why you guys went to the Hull Prize, but we'll get to that a little bit later, or why you guys uh, were selected for the Hull Prize. It was a light word, sorry. So the farm art itself, you said you wanted to focus on the, on the market segment of it. So walk me through that. Okay, um, so when we when we managed to do the pivot now, um, the first issue was how we're going to get to the market and what the landscape, competition landscape looked like, right? Um, so upon exploring that, um, we didn't see much competition, right? The, the biggest competition that we saw um, were physical markets. Um, so it baffled us really when we, you know, approached a number of restaurants um, a number of corporates with with because we're just doing we're just trying to do you know a soft launch response to try and see like you know how, how are people procuring their produce um, what route are they using how much are they paying etc so when you approach like I think restaurants shocked me the most um, for my other you know co-founders mostly the corporates um, that I shocked them you know they would send someone to Mbare every morning to buy you know produce to either you know cook for resale or cook for the employees, yeah, you know, or even for the events. Um, and that their realization here was Mbari is cheap, right. right? So that's when that's when you know we we actually like our pitch was simple. Um, you know, there are around two to three people behind between a farmer and um, the person that you buy from at Mbari, right? Um, so let's let's go through this chain. There is a farmer here in uh, my rural area, Nyazura, right? So they can actually send their produce to Sakuva market, but then that's not, you know, that, that, that busy. But then they'll probably they'll come to Arari, right? To Mbarimsika. When they come to Mbarimsika, given that there's something to use to come with, um, in most cases, you find people going to Nyazura, actually buying this produce, right? And come with it to Arari. 
when that person comes to Harare, um, they come in around, you know, 3, 4 a.m., right? Then they sell to the first people they sold to in Baremsika, right? Then these people that are sold the produce to, it's now B, right? A brought the produce sold to, sold to this person, then B actually sells to the vendors who come in at 6 a.m., right? Uh -huh. Who are the people that you see when you get into Baremsika, um, you know, any time of the day? So it's now a chain of A, B, and C, then you are buying from C. So obviously the price point, the, the price point here is going to be a bit steep because everyone is putting a markup along the chain other than a point when you just buy straight from the farmer um, where you actually negotiate the prices. So on our side, we have a lookout for the farmer and also the person buying. So it's a multi-sided platform that we were looking at. So by then we didn't um, developed even an MVP um, we're just trying to explore the idea. So that's when we then moved on to create our first platform, um, which is pretty bad. Um, we didn't even launch it. Um, then we, uh, you know, we, the guys took at least one and a half months, you know, trying to, you know, put the skills together. Um, we actually have one of our co-founders, someone who's doing software engineering, um, you know, computer science. Then the other is a software programmer. Um, so they actually took like one and a half months um, to put up the first platform that we launched. Um, after launching it, it crashed after um, two weeks. Um, you know, the traffic was amazing. Um, and we're just using our social media to just, you know, to just, you know, push that into the market um, bit by bit. And we also gave it to some of these companies. Um, then we were struck by, you know, the platform is down and also the farmers that we have are not enough um, to supply, you know, the people that are coming on the platform daily. And people who usually come through this platform are ordering tons. So we didn't have enough farmers then. Um, so that's when, you, that's when we stopped a bit and we, you know, we started doing um, you know, customers, customer research on the farmer side, um, trying to you know, put up and onboard as many farmers as you could on the platform. But then it was always a cat and mouse trying to you know, fit the number of farmers for the demand that's always coming in um, through the platform um, all the time. Okay. So when you did the, the, the background, uh, you said that the platform crashed. Um, do you then go to, um, what is, does Farmart itself, I should say, um, group now in terms of produce, in terms of we've got three or four smallholder farmers who can meet a single consignment, do they split it up? Or do you particularly, do you want to deal with one farmer for uh, an order? Okay, um, so what we're doing is that um, whenever we get a farmer, we get it. We get a buyer. Um, so buyers come in different forms, right? Uh -huh. The buyers on the platform. You can actually, you know, you can actually contact the farmer directly. So there, there are some who do that, like they contact the farmer directly, um, get is, get satisfied, or if they're not, you know, they move on to the next farmer. And then there are those who actually like, you know, put quotations through the platform itself. Um, then there are those who contact farmer directly. Um, you know, we have a list of our regular buyers. Um, you know, who contact us daily with, you know, their quotations of what they want, etc. So with these three types of buyers, right? Uh -huh. So for the buyers who want, you know, like bulk, you know, there are those who come in and say, you know, we want probably 100 tons of this. But then we know that um, probably it will take two farmers or three farmers, depending on that season, uh -huh. um, to actually foot the um, kind of order. Um, so it's our prerogative now to actually like um, group this, because we're, we're now, we now have a mini warehouse where we're actually having this produce coming in, then we distribute it from there if it's bulk. But then if it's not, then farmers can deliver directly to the buyer um, themselves. But the long-run vision is that um, we do the fulfillment 
of all the orders that are coming in um, through FarmHut. Okay, you actually also answered one of my uh, questions was that e-commerce in Zimbabwe is usually hampered by logistics. Um, and you just said it, it, eventually you'd want to uh, do the fulfillment yourself. But for smallholder farmers, um, so here's, here's, here's what I said, like obviously having uh, tried my hand at farming uh, for some time, um, especially in horticulture, um, it, it's not just smallholder farmers in rural uh, locations. It's also people in the cities who are now diversifying their income in order to you know, meet the needs because everything is getting so expensive. So you, you need a side hustle in order to survive. So can you just give me a proportion of, of, um, of how many people you've dealt with are in rural areas? Uh, and how many how many are in urban areas or in, in, in not uh, people who have, who have a, a sustainable um, uh, side hustle in, in, in horticulture or other types of farming? Um, so what we've seen is that um, you know on the platform itself um, there are people that we self list um, like it's from listing these people directly right. and there are people that list themselves on the platform. So almost eighty percent of the people that list themselves on the platform. Um, are even right. Um, you know, we're not blind to the fact that um, most people in 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 rural areas don't have either access or the the you know the capability of of understanding and actually you know like going through that because you know um, in some of in some of the signups sign up processes there's you know there's some things that you know that are difficult to understand right. So these are the people that we help with sign signups. Um, so eighty percent um, you know just conservative is actually even. Twenty um, percent is those that list themselves um, on the platform uh, on their own. Uh -huh. Then on the people, you know, that we have actually like dealt with, um, you know, when we started, um, the greater majority, I think I could say almost hundred percent, was you know, urban um, based people, urban farmers, and they, either they have a backyard farm or they actually have, you know, their raw area in probably in Mondoro, et cetera, but in the urban base. Uh -huh. um, but then we started seeing that revolution shift. Um, I think it was the, the referral, um, you know, effect that was, that was ballooning out of that. Uh -huh. But then the, the, the farmers, the raw farmers would come in via text or via WhatsApp um, and would actually self-list them. So it's still a challenge that that's, re that's really there. Um, when we come up with, when we come to rural farmers, um, you know, they can't, that they can't really like list themselves up, but then, you know, they would actually come to, you know, they would actually send a text and gosh, they like cause, <laughs> they really <laughs> like the person. Um, but then it's been really amazing, like reaching them out, you know, you'd ask them like, where did you hear from us? You know, they'll, they'll be like, um, you know, Manawangu, you know, sent me this or, you know, but then it's always someone urban who probably refers someone um, who is in the rural areas to actually like um, sign up. I think it's it's more of an internet issue, more of a you know just that connecting issue that's 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 happening. Oh, okay, interesting. So, how are you uh, with with you said that eighty percent of the people are urban based, um, and twenty percent or we can just roughly say twenty percent are are rural farmers and they like to text and call. So, how do you walk them through the process of actually signing up? Uh, do you do it on your end with a call, with a text? What details do you ask for? Do you do a site visit to see? Do you do product samples? Because when when I was trying to sell to shops um, a couple of years ago, they would always say, "I want my samples," uh, so we can then see assess and, and and see if we want to invest in, want to uh, make you a supply. Yeah. Um. So I think I think that 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 issue propped up last year. Um. It was around July when we had a problem with, um. You know, many buyers 
you know, having contacted these farmers, having driven all the way um, to, you know, to, 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 to the rural location, only to find that, you know, the farmer doesn't have probably the produce that they, they think I have. You know, some farmers would actually sign up as a chalk, right? Uh -huh. Just, you know, list up, say, you know, I have these nice plans, I'm actually selling, I'm happy. Um, so someone, a buyer comes there and, you know, they didn't find anything. So it was something that was really, you know, threatening to what we're trying to build because, you know, all this is built on trust. Uh -huh. um, so we actually started um, farmer verification processes uh -huh. um, such that whenever a farmer lists on the platform, we schedule you um, a, a site visit. But then when you started now and, you know, we're a bit short of funds. Uh -huh. um, so it was a bit expensive to like, you know, cover the whole country. And, you know, most of our mentors, some of them, you know, outside them would always say, you know, come on, just, just, you know, just, just tell the person send pictures, you know, or even just, just go and visit them or start with Harare only and you move to other towns. But then I think, you know, the dynamics here, um, it's very difficult for a platform to just, you know, to just be one city based or, you know, a, a platform like this. So how we saw that now we started having, you know, local representatives in these different um, areas who could access the farmers directly um, within their own regions. Um, so we, we like fenced locations to allow um, probably a 40 kilometer, 20 kilometer radius uh -huh. for every representative that you're putting in there. So that has really helped us with um, verifications. But then each and every farmer who puts up their stuff on Farm Hut, even if they self-list um, and they pay the subscription, um, you know, they don't appear directly on the profile until they're verified. Okay, so in, in terms of having uh, uh, regional representatives, that is quite expensive um, an operation to run. This is obviously pre the uh, pre Hull Price uh, Foundation funding. So how do you manage that? Um, and how you know? The, I think the question I should be asking is, how does Farm Hut itself make its money? Um, so what we do is that um, we make money through you know like our revenue streams are expanding um, as, a, as, a, as a growing, if I can say. Um, so our primary um, subscription, our primary, our primary model is the subscription model, right? For a farmer to be listed on the platform, they have to pay a subscription, um, you know, to be there. And also, you know, um, for other services that you offer, like agronomy services, um, et cetera. Um, so how we managed to pay these people was through commissions, right? Whenever we someone listing from any type of um, area, um, that was geofenced within the representatives' um, reach. Um, whenever they finish that verification process, in our budget, we always put we always put that you know that in our budget. And whenever they um, you know do site visits and finish that, you know they pay their verification um, fee cost um, all the time. Um, and it's based on the commission pay how many farmers they would have visited uh, for that week or month. Um, they're paid weekly or monthly. So it's all or dependent on um, how much they're able to reach. Because um, at first, when you're doing this, you're actually paying them a fixed salary. But then we saw that, you know, some are visiting more farmers and some are visiting less. So it wasn't actually fair for those that are visiting more farmers and, you know, to pay them the same um, amount of money that was being given to those that are visiting less. Um, so it was, it, was, it, was that, it was that balancing act. And when we started, actually, um, you know, we we're willing to just, you know, burn money and make losses on that because um, what we wanted in the, at the end of the day was to build the trust and also the brand itself. Okay, so um, you spoke about subscription model. Um, how much uh, do you charge uh, to, to 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 come on to format? 
Um, so right now, um, it's $10, $20, and $50 um, to be on the platform. Um, these obviously vary with, um, you know, they come as various packages. So if you just want to be listed, just with, you know, there are those that say, I actually don't have produce, um, but then I just want my profile there in format. It's $10 per month to maintain that profile. Then there are those that say, <clears throat> I just want to be there and I'm going to have produce soon. Um, but then I, I also want to attract buyers at the same time. Um, they pay $20. Then there are those that say, you know, I want agronomy services and I also want, you know, to sell right now. Um, those, that, those are the ones that pay $50. Um, but then there are those that say, uh, both for the agronomist, it's only one site visit, one site visit per month. But then there are those that say, you know, I want the agronomist here every week. So we have a custom package. Um, you know, the, some even say I want an agronomist every four days um, of the week. Um, so it depends with um, what they want and how they want it. Okay, it's actually interesting that you, 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 you've actually um, seen the, the, the viability of custom packages just to suit each customer because it's one of those things that uh, platforms usually adapt much later on to be like, you know what, um, yeah, I want this, this and that, but I can't get it. So is there like a, when you sign up and you want, for example, a listing uh, and you're going to be selling an agronomy, can you pick, uh, you know, the days that you want an agronomist or the times or, or, or are they this format to like give you a structure of what they can do with the resources you have? Yeah. Um, so for the for the custom one, it's actually a direct call to an agent, right? Uh -huh. um, so even if you just leave, even if you just go, you go on the chat box on, on, on the website itself, or even the WhatsApp, um, even if you just say, you know, I want a custom package or I want an agronomist, or even type anything like farm hard, um, you know, you actually be called instantly. It's 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 something that you know the team um, is actually on the lookout for. Um, like if anyone just put puts up a request, um, they call. And you know, I still remember. You know, I'm here at school, and you know, people were, were, were just testing this chatbot. We just we just finished developing, and you know, we you know, I was just like you know, class, just try this um, and tell me if, if you see any bugs or errors. Um, you know, so they were trying, and you know, most of them come back and say, you know, I was called by this, I was called by that. And I was like, wow, <laughs> they're actually calling you. So, you know, they're, they're actually thinking like, oh, this is a lead. Um, only to find out, you know, the, it, it's just someone who's testing it. So it's it's that efficiency in communication that um, our team actually has. And they're so, so apt when it comes to such words like, you know, agronomist, custom package, I want to subscribe and so forth. Okay, so back to prices just quickly. It's 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 10, 20, and 50 US dollars, right? So people don't start calling you, trying to eagle cash you bonds. <laughs> yeah um us dollars yes okay and then how, how would they pay it um do they pay it on site or you know they they can use like uh, visa or mastercard prepaid cards so they can pay it on site um or they can use um either eco cash one money swipe you know zip it um you know any other facility um right now we're not currently accepting mastercard or visa um mm -hmm. given you know the size of the, of the transactions and also um you know just just the time you know it's taking for you know visa visa transactions to clear we we're actually taking that but then we recently stopped um but then you know most farmers that we actually have um come to the site um they don't i don't know it's this thing with farmers to actually like you know interact so you find someone coming to the office um you know interact with the agent who would have probably approached approached him or her um, and then after that they would actually do eco cash so it's 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 that kind of um customer that we actually have um coming in 
Okay. So speaking of, of the, the farmers, um, uh, you know, when they have the stuff listed. Um, so I was going through the site uh, a couple of days ago and, and I saw um, someone was selling pork. And then I went to the site and then I saw the, the, the page, sorry, the listing, I should say. And there wasn't a, a streamlined internal um, payment system. They gave me a location and whatnot. I think you mentioned this before. That's so people list a direct access to the farmer themselves. So you just facilitate that they, uh, some people will get um, access to a farmer directly. Um, but will there be something that will be more like, you know what, you can actually pay on the site or is that, is that something that's already there? Okay, um, so the, this platform that we have right now, it's actually um, a new platform. I think we launched it, I think probably might have met some of the posts. We actually launched it like um, last week or yeah, in, in the past few days. Um, so this is designed to do that, like, like to, you know, for farmers to receive or farmer to receive a direct payment from um, a buying customer. Um, it's designed like that. So what we're looking at is a platform that's whenever, like I'm, I'm in, like right now I'm in Lawayo, um, I can buy directly from a farmer in Lawayo, then actually get uh, stuff delivered. So one of the reasons why you actually raised money was to, you know, was to push through the, the whole um, logistics chain to ensure that we can facilitate all these deliveries on time um, and be able to fulfill all these orders. So that's why you see the pay directly option is not yet there. Um, because we want to put those systems up first, um, especially the logistics, before we start um, putting a direct pay um, uh, channel there. Okay, have you approached any logistics partners, local uh, startups and companies to, to inquire whether you can partner with them to do the, the fulfillment? Um, so on, on, on partnerships with uh, regards to fulfillment, we have received a number of... Um, it's something that we've always wanted to do. And I still remember when we were just starting, we'd actually jumped the gun and said, you know, let's just go into, um, you know, direct deliveries and, you know, let's try and partner with someone. But then what you noted was that it was become, it's actually expensive, right, to partner with someone to do logistics. We actually have a logistics partner, but then you'd find the price point becomes higher um, when you introduce a third party. Um, especially to do something as critical as deliveries, because you know a lot of things going to um, the charging. Um, it's the vehicle that you're hiring, it's the fuel, is the actual person who's driving that. Um, you know, a lot of things going to that, and it's expensive, especially um, from all the quotations that we received. It was very expensive for us in the short run, or even in the midterm, to actually have something like that. But then, um, so that's why we settled for having our own system in place. Um, to actually facilitate that because it was going to be cheaper and also um, it would also help us on building the brand itself. We, when, when you're dealing with a partner, you can't control um, how or when they're going to act what way. Um, so it's always that brand scale that occurs. But then if we lead first and show our customers exactly how we present the service, then um, that way we can control the messaging. Okay, I'm just, uh, I wanted to ask like, because uh, in my head it's kind of like, um, if I was in your position, uh, and forgive me if this sounds insulting, but like, um, it would be something that I would like to get a partner on first, um, a logistics partner on first, because like, I feel like in my head, and I guess this is just me looking, you know, being a layman and not being informed about, because obviously you have, you have first hand experience with this. It's trying to get someone who's already experienced in the field. Um, and then once, you know, we see how it can be done or their model or, you know, things we can adapt, then we can start incorporating our own elements of, of delivery, depending on the contract. Um, 
so for me my fear and my unfounded fear of course because we've just met is that uh you're a student uh who's taking on a lot because from what from the conversation we're having now it's like it's a lot of stuff to do and adding on fulfillment seems like an even bigger uh, project when there were there's so many players in the game that are that, that have been at it for quite a while yeah um no it's, it's not insulting it's actually um it's actually true um, so one, one of the things that I realized, um, you know, during this journey was that there were a lot of things that I didn't know. Um, and there were a lot of things that I wouldn't know in time for them to be implemented, right? And even my team themselves. Yeah. So what we managed to do was to surround ourselves with um, people who know more than us. So, you know, on our advisory board, there are at least two people with massive experience in the logistics, um, whole logistics value chain. Right, not just that. They actually, one of them actually owns a very big logistics company here in Zimbabwe. Um, so you know, when we were trying to, you know, put out this idea, uh, you know, this when you're just flying around this idea um, of a logistics um, system, um, it was, it was, you know, it was, it always went down to what we as farmers are trying to do. Right, we're trying to make produce cheaper for the end buyer. At the same time, we're trying to ensure that the farmer gets a premium on their produce or whatever they're selling. Um, so whenever we introduce a logistics partner, right, it was spiking the price for the farmer who was going to obviously extend that to the end user, right? So looking at that, you know, like finally looking at all that, you'd find that it, it, was, it wasn't settling well with the vision itself. Um, it was just, you know, it was just a bandaid that you're trying to put um, to just push this into the market fast. Um, so the alternative was to wait um, and and get enough funding to actually like establish our own logistics um, system. And by establishing our own logistics system, it's advice from the point of view of, you know, the people that we're surrounding ourselves with. Like I mentioned, we actually have two well experienced, one of them is not in Zimbabwe, one of them is actually in Zimbabwe. So these are people who are very much experienced with um, this sector, um, with whom when I'm seated and we're talking, um, you know, I'm always all ears on this. And right now as you're actually planning on implementing our own system, um, you know, it's, it's mostly them talking, um, you know, and more of me, uh, you know, listening to this. And, you know, we actually have, you know, strategy documents put up and from this one, actually on the logistics um, system, we actually have a plan from when they started, how they started, and actually the systems that they're using now. And, you know, we actually put in uh, a few hires lately um, while actually working on that system um, and integrating it into Farmart so that, you know, whenever a delivery is requested for or is made, we can actually take it from the point of collection to the point of delivery, you know, with them along the way. And even the buyer can actually see it um, you know, from their profile tab all the way from the farm to wherever the produce is going. So that's the kind of system that you're trying to build. Um, but then, you know, the greatest fear was always introducing a third party was going to be or is expensive um, for this whole process to make sense. Okay. So now, um, I, I don't know if you mentioned it before, or uh, I might have forgotten. Um, what are you doing for rural fulfillment at, at present? Um, how are you getting their produce? Or is it a, a case where the, the supply deals directly with, uh, with the rural farmers? So right now, the partnership we had with um, this other company, the logistics company, was that um, whenever 
we have an order for projects probably, um, you know, that, so the partnership is based on uh, negotiations on a case to case. We don't make money out of that. Uh -huh. What we just do is to say, um, you know, we get quotations for deliveries, uh -huh. right? And we go to the partner, we ask them if they can lower um, the prices down um, from the last invoice that we get, like the, the cheapest invoice that we get, we try and get, uh, you know, a discount on that from our partner. And that's it. That, that has always been the case um, for most that we've negotiated for. But then for most farmers, they would say, you know, we can find our own logistics, no problem. Um, our price, the price that you're looking forward to is this. And right. some of them actually undercharge. So that's when you come in and actually, you know, like help them on the pricing. You actually, in most cases, raise the prices, then, you know, wait for them to get to an area if they're using their own system. If they're using, if they're using partner system that's when you actually like facilitate that okay interesting and just just to circle back to pricing uh ten dollars for a rural farmer is is, is, a, is a lot of money um uh, ten dollars for anyone <laughs> right now is a lot of money um so are you looking into uh more um i don't know obviously as you scale up but are you looking at at, at ways to to make uh to, to make it an easier entry point for for rural farmers um, yeah, so $10 is a lot, um, but then it was advised from the point of view that, you know, if, if a farmer is to go to Mbari, right, um, chances are very high that their project is going to be negotiated down, right? Um, but then on the other hand, when they come to Farm Hut, we are actually going to negotiate the price up, right? So that's the kind of situation that we have. And the $10, right, if you actually to look at it from um, the lens of the farmer and also us. You know, we always have this, these conversations with some farmers um, to say $10 is just a commitment fee. It's not like we're making a lot of we're killing out of it. It's just a commitment fee. Because if you find someone paying $10, it actually means they have the produce. Today, right? And they want to deliver whenever, you know, they, whenever an order pops up. And um, what we always ensure in every transaction that takes place is that the farmer, whenever they put the price on the platform, so we actually like do back and forth calls. Like some farmers, most farmers undervalue their produce, right? Uh -huh. We understand the prices so much. Um, and most times we actually price just below prices in Mbari um, to ensure that, you know, it's always, it's actually attractive to people who are coming in. Uh -huh. But then for the farmer, it actually means, you know, a premium because when they go to Mbari, they're going to be charged at least 20% less or in big orders at least five to seven percent less than what you actually charge them. Um, you know, what they actually charge um, their, their, their customers via uh, farm hut. Okay. Oh, yeah, that, that, that is true. I think, um, again, the 20% figure is something that I was trying to scratch my head around. But then I, I then remembered that, you know, when, when you go to Mbadam Siga, if you're coming from somewhere far, let's say Marondera or whatever, and you get to Mbadam Siga and you haven't sold much during the day, you're going to shortchange yourself just to make something. Um, or anything uh, yes. for, for, for that trip. And there's also the issue of wastage, like, you, you know, especially when it's dry produce, uh, tomatoes are a prime example, um, even uh, the, 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 the green vegetables. I know, Saga, at some point you're just like, you know what, I, I might as well just sell because, you know what, um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what actually happens with the number of farmers. Like, they just, they just want to like balm sick is stressful, bro. Um, you know, you just want to get over with the process. You can't you can't be there for long. Yeah, true. Um, you just want to get the produce off your hands, get some 
hard man and, and live fast. Yeah. Okay, so talking about, about people actually come to the site looking. Um, so when I was uh, an amateur horticulture farmer, the biggest problem was trying to find shops that were willing because then shops are attractive because they order massively and regularly. So if, if, if um, for example, you can say, oh, no, uh, you go to, to okay, Zimbabwe, for example, which is the process I went through, again, to, to, to know you, because okay's processes are like, you have to go to uh, okay and Granite site, uh, fill in forms and mm -hmm. documentation, hand it in, they might accept you, they might not. Um, so have you approached shops like that to find a way to kind of, uh, or are they coming in as suppliers and kind of lowering their, their, their requirements of entry? to then say, you know, um, if it's from Farmart, you know, we've got a system that we can deal with them. Or are you different, are you dealing with completely different suppliers? Um, so when it comes to the big retailers, um, we actually started conversations last year. Um, they're, they're, they're pretty receptive, you know, um, but then um, when you got to around October, um, that's when most of them started opening up and um, started putting up orders. So the major challenge with um, retailers uh, for farmers is that number one, they pay in RTGS, right? Um, which most farmers are not comfortable with because most of the inputs they're buying, they're buying in US dollars. And for them to even move from, you know, Kumusha to Harare, it's, it's US dollars. No one wants eco cash unless they're using you know, public transport or a bus. Um, so when it comes, RTGS is not attractive for them, number one. Number two, it takes time for some of the retailers to actually pay up, right? And I think given, given the big, like the bigger the institution, the more it takes for them to actually pay up. You know, some actually take 60 days to uh, satisfy, you know, even, even a single uh, invoice. So it, it all depends, right? So there are farmers who come in. So we actually have um, like, I wouldn't call them, they're not partnerships yet, but then they're just general agreements, right? Um, they just they just put in orders, you know, every day. Some of them are actually putting every day of orders that of the stuff that they want, um, and we fulfill that. But then we're only fulfilling that for the farmers who are able to wait and need other TGS. But you know, you'd find a farmer is willing to wait today, but then tomorrow they'll come back to farmer, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in, in every day after that, asking for money. So it's 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 one of those challenges that we've seen. Say. Um, you know, when it comes to retailers, it's it's a bit difficult. But then um, it was also part of um, our ask when we we're raising money, so that we could have at least some free-flowing funds that could at least satisfy the farmers um, in the in the short run. Say, whenever you submit um, whatever to to pick and pay or okay, then um, you get your invoice. You you know, we bid on that. Then we discount it obviously. Then we pay you. Then in the Konapo, um, you know, something like that. It's a system that we're trying to put up so that farmers don't have to wait. But then if they're willing to wait, they can. But then for most farmers, um, patience is not a virtue that um, they actually have. I think I think I also take it from them. <laughs> it's certainly <laughs> something that they would want. Okay. So that's been the challenge. Uh, so so the retailers are a part of the market, correct? Yeah. Look, are there any other... Um you know, other, other people, other players who are coming to farm and looking for produce, uh, restaurants, hotels. Yeah, so we've managed to, we've managed to make a fit. Yeah, sorry. Oh, no, I was saying uh, hotels or restaurants, if they come to you, are uh, also looking for produce. Yeah. 
Hello. We managed to make a great footprint when it comes to restaurants. Um, then a number of corporates, but mainly NGOs are coming in uh, and NGOs buy in bulk. Um, so that's actually a positive that's, that we're having. Um, but then when it comes to hotels, ooh, it, you know, whenever we have discussions, um, you know, it's always one issue, um, payments. Um, for them to pay takes a lot of time. Um, and given, you know, the currency inconsistencies are given also that they pay in other TGS. Um, it, it's something that's not always attractive for us every time we have the same conversation over and over. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, dealing with anything, any, any sort of uh, big institution is, is, is difficult. I remember back in the, I think 2006, 2007, we were doing chickens on our farm. And you supply to schools, uh, to boarding schools, mm -hmm. and the big issue was always, um, you know, at <laughs> payment. Um, you couldn't do cash on delivery because they couldn't guarantee that, especially <laughs> if they were government schools. Um, you, the wait times were, like you said, sixty, sometimes even longer. Mm -hmm. um, so private buyers were probably the most viable. Um, so even coming to private buyers, is, 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 are they people who are just, um, you know, saying, I'm going to farmer to buy, you know, my produce for the week, uh, and also. By saying this, farmer doesn't only do fresh produce. There's, like I said before, meat, uh, seedlings, fertilizer, etc. So set that aside. Uh, are there people like just general individual buyers who come and say, "I want a kg of tomatoes, etc." Yeah. So those are the ones that we find a lot, and um, it's been disappointing for the past few months um, because you know we haven't, we haven't, we, like the model is ready, we have it there but then we haven't implemented the B2C yet. So we find someone comes up and actually lists the stuff they want, they put the address, they put everything, and they're like, um, I need to order this. Um, so um, we're not yet doing B2C. Um, that's actually a different game altogether um, that we're actually putting like um, everything in place for uh, because it, it also goes, um, you know, hand in hand with this, um, uh, you know, the logistic system that you're building right now. Um, but then um, there are a lot of private buyers that are coming in and, you know, they're speaking in terms of tonnages, but then most of them um, are agents, um, right? So someone comes in, looks at the prices, goes and finds probably a market for that, um, then comes and buys from farmland. So basically, those are the kinds of people that we see. And I actually have, um, you know, I was actually laughing in class. One of my friends actually is actually doing that and he uses farmland. So taking, for instance, right now, um, you know, people come in and, you know, they buy maize, come in and buy soybeans, they have a market for that, right? Yeah. So it's, it's all a matter of finding the cheapest possible. And right now, Farmat is offering that. And they come and off, off take it from us, then they go and sell it to whoever they would find an opportunity to sell to. So I think right now, uh, those ones are taking the lead <laughs> in terms of um, actually um, like leading on that private individual per individual uh, issues in terms of uh, oh, okay so just just curiously to ask uh again i use the word curious a lot because my, my mind wanders quite a bit so b2c you, you guys are still working on that so b2c will put you in direct competition with guys like fresh ideas and fresh in a box um you know have you have you uh again looked, looked at how they're doing things uh, kind of uh, taking lessons or has it been apprehension because it's, it's quite a big company now um and coming into a market with, you know, a company that, that's evolving like that, is that daunting? Are you taking lessons or 
uh, is, is be to business to customer something that's that, that's far off down the line that you don't have to worry about that just yet. Um, I mean, they're a very big inspiration. They've done like very very well. Um, something that's 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 not been done in Zim. I I mean. Um, you order something in Zim at home. Um, it's not every day that you get it delivered to your doorstep. Yeah. Um, but then, um, you know, the country's big. Um, you know, in as much as, you know, we're, we're a small nation of, you know, around 16 million people. But then I think that's still big, right? Yeah. And everyone wants convenience. Yeah. So what, whatever, whatever system you find us developing, um, it fits into our growth projection. And it also is in line with, um, you know, the market itself. So in, in a day-to-day -day issue, um, one in three like quotations that you get on format, it's someone who wants something to eat at home, uh -huh. right? And many people, I think, um, you know, we try our best to address that on our media. Uh, many people actually come on format to order, uh, you know, stuff at home or stuff, you know, actually have, we actually have a lot of diasporans coming in now um, trying to order stuff or you know relatives at home etc so um it's something that's actually in the works um because you know we can't ignore the market we uh -huh. can't we can't just let it like that um we need to satisfy them so it's something that we're going to venture into and um when it comes to competition i would say yeah but then for us we don't view we don't view we don't view competition as competition um i believe more in collaborations right because um the more people have more choices to choose from, um, you know, the more the market becomes liberal. Um, that way, you know, even we innovate better or, you know, anyone else who's doing that um, develops better and the service improves. So that's what um, we actually look um, at and for when we're trying to, uh, you know, actually launch such, such projects. Nice. Uh, I like that you said that it's, it's it's not a case of you against us. It's a case of, you know, let's make it, things better for the consumer. Uh, let's help drive down costs and improve efficiency because, you know, that's the only way that that's more we can get better, especially when we're looking at e-commerce. Um, so uh, segueing over to, to the Health Prize uh, Foundation, um, the 100,000, that's a lot of money. Um, so how are you looking to as much as you can say <laughs> i'm not looking for for statements or bank statements or transactions or anything i'm just curious as to what have you prioritized in terms of um uh, of obviously scaling up is, is one of the big things but what else are you looking at to be like yeah you know there's something we need to address with this new funding report um so the major major reason why we raised funding um you know apart from the whole logistic system that we wanted to put up um, because, um, you know, the logistics system is going to be um, a bit cheaper for us to implement because we already have identified, like, individuals who are willing to, um, you know, actually, like, put in the whole Uber model into it, right? Uh -huh. um, and actually, like, fulfill some of our orders um, per individual basis as a geofence in the particular locations. But then um, the major, major reason why we raised money was that um, we, we, we have just gotten into a partnership with one of the biggest farmers unions here in Zimbabwe. Um, I think you'll find the announcement um, this week or probably after Easter. Um, so it came in with in a lot of farmers um, who want our service, right? Um, and to, to meet this demand with, you know, the small team that we have, um, even though we have a virtual powerhouse that could probably, you know, take in some of them, it was going to be difficult number one number two 
Um, I think also there's also a chatbot that you launched. I think I mentioned that um, the major key driver here was actually to try and um, you know just just service some of those people. But then even if we put all the virtual muscle power there is in the world, um, you know farmers are a different type of customer altogether because they want that virtual uh, physical um, interaction. And so to you know to to actually get to interact with all of them would take us probably two years, right? Um, probably we interact with um, a thousand or two per day, right? To take us almost two years to actually like talk to all of them. Um, so it was a bit difficult for us to try and reconcile that. So it was a point where we'd grown fast. Uh, I think I'd say too fast. It's something my mentor always said, too fast um, with few resources to back that up. Um, so most of our money is going to go into um, fitting that expansion and also driving through more and more expansion on the farmer's side. Then um, a part of it is going to go obviously into the tech itself to ensure that you know it sustains um, um, this you know this vehicle um, of customers and you know the, the the visitors that are coming in through the platform and also um, the chatbot. Um, then all in all, I think without putting out much um, that that might be NDA protected. Um, I would say it's going to drive in fuel protection. Um, well, you know, I think that that's what I can say. It's going to drive in and fuel uh, growth at this phase. Okay. So I was, uh, something else I saw on your site is that you have a, an app in beta. Now, I like apps. I think apps are really good. Um, but since you're going, to, you're going to be dealing with smallholder farmers, and I'm guessing that the trajectory is to uh, increase the reach in, in smallholder farmers, have you thought about also investing in stuff like USSD um, just to make sure that it's, it's device friendly? If it's not like being able to create a whole system where they can sign on or anything, or even doing that would be good too. But like, uh, so they have easy access to stuff like, you know, um, an integrated farm at USSD payment system. Uh, uh, you can sign up and then, you know, like or you can on the app and then farmer will contact you for more information. And then, like you said, get your regional um, representatives there to, 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 to scope it out. Is that something you're looking at? Man, um, it's like it's like you're reading our minds. Um, the, the USSD is something that we actually, you know, thought about it first, right? Uh, um, because when you imagine our farmer, we're thinking of someone with Mbuzi, right? Uh, um, and the platform, we created it not necessarily for the farmer, uh, but then was it's a two-sided market. Uh, so we, sorry, platform. So we created it mostly for those that are going to walk in and actually buy. But then for the farmer, it's all about how we're going to keep in touch with them and also how we're going to add value to them every day. Uh, um, we approached... Um, one of the MNOs, um, you know, it's been a revolving conversation since last year, um, been unfruitful, yeah. I'd say. Um, I, 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 I don't know why, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that pains my heart, really, yeah. um, because you know, it's something so simple. We actually have the whole system developed. All we want is a number and a connection, yeah. right? And we're willing to pay. Yeah. But then, oof, I don't know. It's, um, it's it's that kind of an issue where you know you just you just wish you did. Or oh, there was a liberal system where you could just deploy it, you know. Yeah. Um, but then no, we haven't been successful in doing that. Um, 
I don't know. But I think given that, you know, we actually have, you know, um, you know, investors backing up on this now, I think the conversation can become softer from this point to try and, you know, push through that. Um, but then whew, it's been tough. <laughs> I feel you, man. Because like um, I, was, I was checking out stuff like from um, when Stanbic banks that are rated their, um, their banking platforms. And it seems MNOs are just resistant to innovation. Um, they went to Econet and successfully got their, their site and apps rated, but then um, Telesalonet one are pretty much dragging their feet. And then this week we saw First Capital do the same thing, um, where they said they're rating their banking platforms. But it, you know, it, it's it's obvious that Econet was the first company to kind of be receptive. And I feel too on the USSD because a number of entrepreneurs I talked to are like, yeah, you know what, trying to get that stuff from from MNOs is, is a problem. So they actually like a, a, a significant barrier between people getting more progressive services, especially progressive accessible services like USSD uh, out there wherever they are. And uh, I don't know if they realize that, um, that the bureaucracy and the red tape is just stalling almost everything man, that man, can be done. They do realize that. <laughs> they really? do realize that. Um, I mean, yeah, they do because, you know, it's always, it's always, you know, we're looking at it, we're, you know, we're this at it and, you know, we go to a point where we're like, come on, guys, you're not even looking at it. <laughs> um, so I think, I think it's, I would say it's people sitting on their jobs because um, I, I wouldn't say probably a CEO of an MNO would actually like know this is happening and actually leave it like that. Or I don't know, whatever, you know, manager is there or is, is responsible for that, or just look at it and leave it like that. And virtually they lose nothing, but it actually means more, 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 more people or more users to that platform, or even more subscribers. Really, um, you know, it's 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 actually a value that comes to them. So that's where I wasn't understanding really. Like, um, where is the holder? Even if we have one thousand USSDs or five thousand or even five million USSDs flying around, um, as long as the people can pay for them and as long as people can access them, it means more people on your network all the time. But then you know it always comes back to the men who makes the decisions and it seems they're not willing to do so. So personally, I don't know. I don't know what's the hold up there, but then I just hope that, um, you know, it becomes better over time. Because, mm. you know, it's strange you brought up that people are actually willing to pay for them. Is I was looking at the Potter's report for, for the fourth quarter and like USSD is making so like very little money. I think it's it's less than a percent. Uh, don't call me, but I'll I'll leave the correct figure in the, the description uh, for this. But it's like MNOs are looking for alternative revenue streams. They're struggling with obviously being capped by portraits of how much they can charge. Isn't USSD giving it or making it more accessible to to, to startups, especially e-commerce startups? Probably a, a good revenue stream. Even banks as well. Oh, well, banks have them, but I'm saying like uh, anyone who's willing to to, yeah. to to like say, yeah, you know what, we want money. We want to make more money because obviously in Zimbabwe we're facing massive losses because of foreign exchange losses, etc. So why can't we just, you know, streamline the U the USSD process to just make it so conducive that anyone can just go online and apply and get, you know, a, a, sh a short code? I, 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 exactly. I, it, it baffles me to be honest. Ah, uh, I, I don't know what they're protecting. Um, probably the I don't know. I, like I don't know. Like what's the worst <laughs> that could happen with um giving probably. 5,000 companies in Zimbabwe SSDs. I don't know. Um, I, I truly don't know. Um, but then I just hope that um, they'll, they'll, they'll catch up fast because, you know, innovations are propping up daily. So um, they shouldn't be surprised to see the next day um, there's a USSD that's, um, you know, accessible multi-platforms 
Mm -hmm. um, and it's not even theirs. Um, you know, the world is catching up. They, they just have to run with it. Yeah, that's true. So actually speaking on, on like you, you spoke about a chatbot and um, uh, I'm guessing this is WhatsApp or Facebook chatbot. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so what, what, what the chatbot, what, what the chatbot does now is, you know, you'd find it's called Um Domeni. Um, we actually personified it. Mm -hmm. um, so you'd find many people actually come, uh, you know, either text or call or even send a WhatsApp mm -hmm. or even on Facebook. And I think it's mostly WhatsApp and Facebook. Um, and they ask the same questions like over and over. It's, it's so exhausting to the sales agent, um, but at the same time, it shows a trend, right? Um, so the first days, um, you know, our sales agents would do copy and paste, you know, that, that applies. But then even that couldn't catch up um, with, with, the, with, with the questions or even the number of people. Those are sales agents. Typically, um, every second, they, not per every minute, they're, they're at least talking to five, seven farmers, right? One person talking to five, seven farmers, trying to, you know, back and forth, you know, there's, there's a laptop there, there's a desktop there, there's a phone there. They're just trying to, you know, feed that all in uh, and make sure that everyone is, 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 is satisfied. And farmers, are, they, like I mentioned, they don't have the patience for slow replies or et cetera. Uh, so what you then realized was the questions were almost the same or they're a bit homogeneous. Um, <clears throat> and we could have something that attends to at least the basic questions that they have. And if it comes to a point where they need more clarification, then they can request to speak to an agent. Um, so that's when you actually put out this platform. Um, the chatbot actually offers a lot of things um, like, you know, how to farm, the weather, market prices, like classifieds. Um, it, it, it bridges out for the ordinary farmer. So we specifically chose to, 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 to put in more information on the WhatsApp uh, chatbot because like I think Potras reported, um, I, I haven't gotten the latest report, but then there's at least over 6 million Zimbabweans using um, WhatsApp daily, right? Uh, and that's a lot. Uh, um, so we could tap into that, right? And at least we could get to a target market. So that was the target. So when we just soft launched it, um, man, we got a lot of, um, you know, people messaging it, um, talking it, etc. Um, and there were a lot of bugs that were in there. So we actually did it as a soft launch uh, and the numbers were crazy. Um, so that's when you actually like, you know, stop you know, even posting about it or talking about it and we fixed all that. So right now we're done and we're going to be launching on Tuesday, mm. like a full launch okay. um, uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday after Easter for that. Oh, nice. So uh, again, like I'm one of those people who's like, I, I, I overthink and then I think what's the way to get more people. So like the thing I've always been curious about are SMS-based chatbots. Like I know it's expensive, you know, for SMS, but like as we're looking at the ideal uh, as, as, as the raw farmer, most of those places don't have reception for 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 two G, let alone three G, uh, to use WhatsApp. And most people can't afford WhatsApp, yeah. to be honest. And someone might actually be able to fork out money for um for an SMS bundle, um, because for them that that might be the more you know uh, effective way to, to to do it. Of course, smartphone penetration is getting there, but like as, as a stopgap. Are you guys looking at investing some of that hundred thousand into you know um, hey let's 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 at least toy with the idea of an SMS based chatbot? Yeah, so I think the best thing um, is we we already have a send ID. Um, so most of the farmers that you know daily whenever we whenever we start work, um, we broadcast messages to all farmers. Uh, for the chatbot now we haven't um, we haven't we haven't started um, looking at that. 
Um, but then what you're doing with auto, auto like auto-generated messages to all, all, all the farmers that fit into a list that we have put. Um, we're so fortunate, I think, that we were in the trillion for startups um, for which you qualify for quite a lump sum of credits. So those are the ones that we're using and trying to test, um, like, you know, how are the people receiving it and so forth. And um, Zimbabweans love good mornings. <laughs> um, they love good mornings. Um, it's been going well. Um, so I think it's it's also some of the avenues that we've been we're going to be I think focusing on. We're trying to we're trying our best to move the conversations um off um other than online because I think that's where we can get the maximum reach possible of the number of people that you can um get um in contact with. Um, so it's, I think, something that we're going to um, explore really after um, the, the launch of this one, the WhatsApp one. Okay. So I think it's safe to say that that um, a good portion of, 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 the, of the funding from the health price is going towards uh, the logistics effort. Uh, I think that's a key uh, part of the business. Am I correct by saying that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so, Ryan, I know you're a student, and I, I wanted this to be an hour, but it just turned out to be a very interesting conversation. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I don't want to step into your exam time because I don't want to be the reason that, you know, you fail. Since I, Valentine, we'll still take this. I can't do it right now and a half. No, I actually tweet, bro, like, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy, no one else. No, it's been, it's been very interesting. Thank you so much um, for the opportunity and also for joining me here. It's been great. And congratulations again to you and the former team uh, for the Health Prize backing. I wish you all the very best uh, in the in the future and hope to hear big things uh, from you guys. Uh, uh, you know, and hopefully you scale up. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, hopefully you guys scale up. Thank you so much, Valentine. At least my network didn't behave today. <laughs> ah, okay, that's good. At least it was behaving, yeah, because uh, I was crying that mine wouldn't, but each, uh, it, that mine would, wouldn't, you know, behave, but it seemed like it did. I know that's great. Um, I hope you have a good day. Um, and yeah, I'll actually send you the 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 press release for for the what you call this for the partnership announcement. That one is big. You should be the one of the first people to see that. <laughs> ah, fantastic! Thanks, man. Uh, and thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, we'll catch you again next time. And hopefully, uh, Ryan will come back and, and tell us more interesting things about um, format in, in the in the very near future.